0: Good morning. Again, my name is Gary. I'm one of the elders, and uh, it's my turn to get to bring a message again. I I don't enjoy beginning a message by recounting such a horrific event, a gruesome event, but the Lord used that to prompt a, uh, a message theme for me this morning. If you remember, on October 1st of this year. A deranged gunman walked into a community college in Roseburg, Oregon, and killed nine people, wounded a number of others. The press didn't really play this up, but if you remember, it was reported that he targeted Christians. And uh, if you identified yourself as a Christian, he killed you immediately. The others, he just wounded. Well, it's not the first time Christians have been targeted. And I've struggled the last couple weeks trying to put myself in the shoes of those students and wondered how courageous I would be in defending my faith. If somebody put a gun to my head and said, are you a Christian? And, And if I knew that if I said yes, I would be shot immediately, how courageous would I be? I mean, I'd like to think I would defend my faith, but I don't know, that's pretty horrific. And it kind of made me think of Jesus' words in Matthew 24, where he kind of gave a preview of trouble that's yet to come uh, as we approach the end of the age. And I'm not one of those end of the age conspiracy guys. I don't talk a lot about that, and I don't think we're there yet. I don't know when it's going to be. And I know the words that Jesus used in Matthew 24, we're talking about another time. We're talking about the great tribulation period, which is yet to come. But I do believe that as the clock ticks, as we get closer to the return of Christ, things may get worse for Christians. The stage will have to be set for that tribulation period. The props will have to be put in place. And in Matthew 24, 9, Jesus talked about that horrific event. And he said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Well, if you've been following ISIS movements, jihadist movements, particularly in the Middle East, you know that's getting to be a perilous time in some places in the world just to identify yourself as a Christian. Now, as we talk about moving forward as a church, new programs, new emphasis, new leadership, we should remind ourselves that we're going to have to be courageous. Christians are increasingly coming under fire for sticking to biblical teachings, and it's easy to cave in to political correctness in the name of tolerance. We're going to have to have strength and courage. So I need to ask you as we begin this morning, how courageous are you? when it comes to defending your faith. I'm going to give away my age here. When I t- <coughs> recount this event, that I think I was in the second year of my career, just out of college, and the agency I worked for gave us all an unscheduled day off in the middle of the week. It wasn't a holiday, but all 14,000 employees uh, got to take the day off to celebrate this event. The date was July 20th, 1969. Raise your hand if you remember what happened on that date. Not very many of you. Probably most of you weren't born yet. That's the date that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin be- became the first human beings to set foot on the moon, part of the Apollo 11 mission. That was one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Later back on earth, astronaut Buzz Aldrin was asked about the courage that it took to be a part of that mission. What bravery he must he must have had. His statement to the press kind of revealed a little bit of a I thought of the class of this man. He said, "Bravery comes along as a gradual accumulation of discipline." Bravery comes along as a gradual accumulation of discipline. To be an astronaut required a tremendous amount of training, tremendous amount of discipline, a steady diet of it. It wasn't something that bravery just didn't happen overnight. Well, our verse that I've chosen for the 52 series today comes from the account of a man in the Old Testament who I think had Buzz Aldrin's discipline, his strength and his courage. We read how Joshua was commanded to have strength and courage in his faith to move the people into that long-awaited promised land. There's going to be some adverse times ahead for Joshua. There's going to be challenges to his faith. And I think we can learn a lot about strength and courage from a look at the first chapter of Joshua. Three times in the first chapter, in actually the first nine verses, Joshua is commanded by the Lord to be strong and courageous. And he was told that a fourth time later on in the chapter by the very people that he was to lead. So we want to look at chapter 1 and we want to frame the thoughts, particularly around verse 9, our focus verse of the week, around having the kind of discipline and courage we're going to need as we move forward as a church and stand firm as a Christian in our society, more and more, we're immersed in a culture that may not always agree with our biblical worldview. You know, in a symbolic sense, Stapleton Fellowship Church is at, is at the place where Joshua and his people were, soon to be under new leadership, moving forward into new territory, but operating under the unchangeable principles of God's word. This is the way the verse reads, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as we pray, remember that these words to Joshua were not a suggestion. They're not something he should consider. They were a command. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we... Thank you for the worship that we've experienced this morning. And now prepare our hearts to study the word together. And We know that we've been commanded. Joshua was commanded to be strong and courageous. By extension, that applies to us. And so, Lord, I thank you for this example of this courageous man and how he led his people with strength and courage. May we find something here that would help us on our spiritual journey even today. And we just dedicate this, this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Moses had brought the people out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt. Now, after 40 years, Joshua has been commissioned to bring them into the land of Canaan, the promised land. He was an aide to Moses during this time, an aide to camp. And he is now going to take leadership to march the Israelites across the Jordan River and to take possession of the land, even though the land had been promised to them. They're going to have to go claim it. They're going to have to go fight for it. That's going to take courage. I think that's an illustration of what's happening here to the New Testament believer. Even though Christ has done the work for us, we live in a fallen world and we must claim his promises and faith. That takes some courage. Well, because of a time of disobedience and lack of faith, Moses would not be allowed to enter into this uh, promised land, at least at this time. I I find it interesting that in the New Testament, when Jesus took the disciples up on the mountain, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw Elijah and Moses, and guess where they were? They are across the Jordan, they are in the promised land. But at this point in history, Moses can't go in. It would be up to Joshua to bring them in. And now in chapter 1, Joshua is ready to cross the river. It's here at this point in history that we note the emphasis over and over on being strong and courageous. And this, this came at a time when the mantle of leadership was being passed on to him. Like Moses before him, we think Joshua was about 80 years old when he was commissioned to do this. He wasn't the new kid on the block. But boy, did he have some big shoes to fill. Huh? How would you like to follow a man who talked to God in the burning bush directly? A man who stood before Pharaoh and performed God's miracles? A man who could wave his staff and part the Red Sea? A man who could bring water from a rock? All oh, those are big shoes to fill, and Joshua's going to need strength and courage to do it. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Joshua, we see this strong and courageous and the words are linked together. And that's because they are linked in the Hebrew. Courage is tied to the idea of strength. A person who loses or lacks courage usually feels himself or herself to be weak and unequal to the task. And this text is not just for superheroes like Joshua going to lead an army, lead a nation. We all have some big shoes to fill. In my last message here I talked about each and every one of you as believers has a spiritual gift to use in serving one another within the body of Christ. All of you are leaders in some sense whether it's just a mom or a dad or a grandparent, a teacher whatever. Life for all of us is filled with challenges so let's not pass over this theme without seeing how we need to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And although the news doesn't often emphasize it. Uh, we're starting to see more and more ridicule and persecution of the church. No doubt in the future, believers will require more and more courage to stand up for convictions. I think this passage, the events that lead up to it, teach us about the discipline we need to be strong and courageous. It's particularly applicable to believers who need to draw more on faith and the sufficiency of Christ for strength. So let's consider three points, three principles this morning that I think are on display here that perhaps uh, illustrate what Buzz Aldrin was talking about, the idea of courage and strength resulting from the gradual accumulation of discipline. And the first one is the discipline from being discipled, or call it mentored or whatever, whatever word you want to use. But the first call to be strong and courageous came... Back in verse 6, a few verses before our featured verse, it's tied to the discipline of preparation. In Joshua's case, preparation to assume leadership by studying under a God appointed leader. Verse 5 and 6 No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. In Hebrew, there's no paragraph change between verse 5 and 6. The first command to be strong and courageous comes right after the words in verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua was the aide-de-camp, the servant of Moses. Joshua saw how God was with Moses in a very intimate way. In Exodus 24, 13, the Bible says, So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai, where he encountered the glory of God, where he received the instructions for building the tabernacle, Joshua was with him. What a mountaintop experience that must have been. When Moses came down from the mountain... He would enter a tent, and a pillar of cloud would guard the entrance to the tent. And in the tent, the Lord would speak with Moses. Exodus 33, 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. In Hebrew culture, when the... Um, the elder leader would refer to his assistant or his aide as a young man. Joshua's probably fully grown, but he's referred to here as a young man. Joshua would stay behind, perhaps to guard the tent, but more likely to see if the Lord were going to speak again. So Joshua was in the presence of Moses, the lawgiver, a man who God, who spoke with God intimately. You know, being in the presence of of a man of God who has courage can give you courage. It also works the other way. I, I remember a story that theologian R.C. Sproul tells about uh, a golfer, a, a winner of the Masters PGA, an unbeliever who was one time asked to play golf in a foursome with Billy Graham. And the golfer said he played terribly that day. He said, being in the goodness of a man like Billy Graham was intimidating and he was very uncomfortable. I think it works the other way too. For a believer to be in the presence of a godly, courageous, spirited person, that rubs off. The Bible says in Numbers 27 that Joshua was a man in whom was the Spirit. He was a disciple who was ready to learn from his leader. He was filled with the Spirit. He was a spirited man. He stayed with Moses On the mountain, in the tent. And Moses delegated responsibility to him, and he didn't shirk from it. Back in Exodus 17, Moses ordered Joshua to lead the battle against the Amalekites. And the Bible tells us that Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. But in that battle, Joshua still looked to his leader. The Bible says that when Moses stood on the cliff overlooking the battle scene... When he had his hands up and the people saw that, they were victorious. But when Moses tired and put his hands down, they started losing. So, what did Joshua do? He had Aaron and another man prop up Moses' hands, and they were victorious. Joshua used every resource available to him. So, Joshua accepted discipleship from a man of God on the mountain in the tent on the battlefield. I like to think of that as receiving counsel from a mature Christian while having these mountaintop experiences while in worship, while in the battles of life. So who are you looking to as a mentor for the Christian faith? Part of being strong and courageous in the Lord is learning from godly, spirit-filled people. We all need someone who exemplifies Christ-like character as we looked to mature. Last night I had the privilege of seeing the movie, and I usually don't recommend movies, but I do this one, The War Room. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's a classic story, wonderful story about a courageous woman, a mature woman in the faith who led a struggling young woman through difficult times in her marriage and got her on the right track in a prayer life and into the Word of God, A, a good, strong mentor. I encourage you to see that movie. I've said this many times before, but we all need to be careful who we let teach us, who we let mentor us. There's a lot of bad information out there. You can find it on the Internet. You can find it on TV. You can find it everywhere. Be careful who you let teach you. We need a Moses in our life. We have some programs here what I think of is Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers. They have a segment of that program called Mentor Moms. Wonderful idea. The second time we see the command to be strong and courageous, this time very courageous, is in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This might be a good time to mention that I don't think God expected Joshua to be the exact same man that Moses was. They were men from different backgrounds, different gifts. Joshua was not the lawgiver. Moses was not the commander in battle but the principles that the israelites needed to live by were handed down from god through moses to joshua our new leader at stapleton fellowship church will not be exactly like the old one but hopefully we'll prayerfully choose one who has the strength and courage through discipline parents grandparents are you teaching your children and grandchildren to be strong and courageous in the faith? Are they seeing the discipline in you that helps do that? A recent study showed that if both mom and dad attend, have the discipline of attending church regularly, 72% of their children will do the same. If only dad goes, the number drops to 55%. If only mom goes, 15%. If neither mom or dad attend church regularly, only about 6% of the children will choose to do so. The third time the command, Be strong and courageous, was given is in our focus verse, verse 9, when it was worded similarly to the reference earlier about Moses. Joshua was told that as the Lord was with Moses his master, his teacher, so he would be with him. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Interesting thing about having a mature person, a leader to learn from on your spiritual journey. Jesus said in Luke 6.40, everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. I suspect Joshua would love to be complimented by hearing people say, I see a lot of Moses in you. The second point, the second discipline, has to do with meditation on the Word. Meditating on the Word of God. The discipline that comes by integrating the very Word of God into your life. Sandwiched between the commands to be strong and courageous, we see verse 8. By the way, this was one of our um, 52 series verses way back early in the year, so you should have memorized this one by now. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The very Center of Joshua's strength and courage would be the very law of the Lord, what we would call the scriptures today. I note what Francis Schaeffer says about this command for Joshua. He says, "...but though Joshua was going to have the special leading from the Lord, this was not to detract from the central reference point and chief control, the written word. The word of God written in the book set the limitations." Thus Joshua was already functioning in the way Bible-believing Christians function. Sometimes God does lead in other ways, but such leading must always be within the circle of his external propositional commands in Scripture. So note that command to Joshua, and I think to us. Scripture was not to depart from his mouth. He was to talk about it as a means of staying occupied with God's thoughts as a way and means of conveying and teaching the concepts. He was to meditate on it day and night. It was to be read and memorized so that it was readily available to follow. The principles of Scripture should be so well integrated into our being that we can react to life situations then from God's perspective, from His point of view. And we should do so automatically because they're ingrained within us. They're in our subconscious. This is the way I like to think about the Hebrew concept of meditation on the Word. I like to think of it as moving it from my conscious level of thought to my subconscious level of thought. I was reminded of that recently. Uh, I volunteered for this study. The University of Colorado Medical School did. Uh, They asked me if I wanted to participate in it as a volunteer. It was a, a driving study for older drivers. I did it so I could get a discount on my insurance, but uh, part of the study was I had to go out on a, on a long drive with a driving instructor sitting beside me. What that did, was, I've been driving for 53 years, and, <clears throat> but what this did, knowing this guy was here observing everything I did, I moved it back from my subconscious to my conscious level. I was suddenly conscious of every part of driving. You know, am I maintaining the right distance? Am I changing lanes correctly? Uh, When do I turn on the turn signal? When do I apply the brakes? This guy's watching me. After you've driven for a long period of time, you don't have to think about those things anymore. You don't think about turning on the turn signal, changing lanes, applying the brakes, You just do it subconsciously. You do it automatically, free-flowingly. Why? Because you've practiced over and over through repetition. You've studied. You've taken your test, and you do it every day, and it just comes automatically and free-flowingly to you. And that's what meditation on the Word is. Through our conscious level, we take it into our system. We read it. We study it. We memorize it. But we practice it, and we've done it so much that it just moves into our subconscious and so sooner or later we begin to react to life situations from God's perspective without even thinking about it that's meditation on the word and that's that's where we find Joshua that's what he was to do the next part of the command then was not only to read and meditate on it but to do it be careful to do everything in it what part of do it don't we understand eh? <clears throat> Some great, great spiritual mentors have had some valuable advice in meditating on God's word. John Wesley prayed that he would be the man of one book. He said, God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end he came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. May we be a church of one book. Much has been preached about the words prosperous and successful in verse 7 and 8. Many have used this to preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Use this as a formula, they say. Figure out how to meditate on the law of the Lord. You'll be prosperous, you'll be successful. But I think students of the Bible know that financial prosperity is not what's being stated here as part of some magical formula. God is reminding Joshua of the basic facts necessary to be successfully settled in the new land. And those facts are tied to understanding the laws of God and being obedient to them. God's measure of success and prosperity might be a little different than the world's. Isaiah fifty-five eleven says it this way, So shall my word be, the scripture that goes from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's God's measure of success and prosperity, that the word may go forth and accomplish the purposes for which he sent it. The third point. I think we see in Joshua 1 has to do with encouragement from other people. Notice that the word courage is part of the word encouragement. This discipline is revealed to us here as well, that the it, we need the encouragement of others, not just our mentor. If we were to read on in this chapter, we would see that Joshua gave his officers orders to prepare them for conquest. There were special instructions to some tribes, a reminder for them to keep the promises that they had made. And the people honored Joshua's request, and they respond to him in verse 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, "'All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses.'" Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. In any successful mission involving God's people, the leader must have the support of the people. Joshua had honored God's word, and now God was honoring Joshua by moving the people to respond. If the officers in war exhibit strength and courage... The troops will follow. I've never been in war. I've never fought a battle. But sort of, when I was in forestry work, I used to fight a lot of forest fires. Sometimes we found ourselves in dangerous situation, kind of like going into battle. And how much I appreciated a crew leader, a sector leader who had experience, was mature, and had courage. And we would follow them. When they would say, okay, men, here's what we need to do. Follow me. We followed. What you didn't want to hear is a leader who lacked strength and courage. Maybe didn't know what they were doing. You could usually tell it by their voice. Okay, men, (laughs) here's what we need to do. Follow me. (laughs) Not me. The discipline it takes to be a firm but caring leader results in support from those being led. People are willing to stay with you. That in turn results in strength and courage back to the leader. And this is where we find Joshua. I believe we can, we can take the statement, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses, as both a condition and a prayer. As a condition, the people were saying they want to see clear evidence that Joshua was being led of the Lord, that he was truly God's leader, and that he walked with the Lord in the same sense that Moses did. And that's what we want from our leaders as we move forward, isn't it? As a prayer, it's it's a demonstrated recognition of this need if they were to be successful. Well, you may be thinking, uh, well, Joshua's a national leader, He exhibits exhibits the strength and courage he needs to. Sure, I want to have courage, but I've not been called to lead an army. I've not been called to take take over a foreign land, to capture it. Well, that's true. But you may be called upon to exhibit courage in everyday ways in the Christian walk, on your spiritual journey. We just saw that in Roseburg, Oregon. And it doesn't have to be that dramatic. A man wrote recently saying he and his family were in a restaurant where they overheard a group of young men in a nearby booth criticizing Christianity. Apparently it was a Sunday and the young adults were mocking Christians who had just been to church. They focused on the idea that the resurrection story was absurd. How could anybody in their right mind believe such a thing? The writer said, it made my blood boil but the thought of me going over and confronting them sent terror through my system. I felt led to say something to them, but it was really tough getting up the courage to do it. He said, I finally asked the Lord to give me a word, and I went and talked to them, trembling all the while. No doubt you're going to find yourself in a similar situation. Be strong and courageous. As you think about your next step today, if you're one who has never crossed that line of faith, I pray that you'll have the courage to consider it at this time. On your next step card, there's a, a place for you to indicate that you like prayer about that, you'd like to talk to somebody about that. Please do that. That's an eternal life decision for you. I realize it might take courage to even check that box. Believers, how are you measuring up in the strong and courageous department? Is this an area of weakness? Would you like prayer about that? To make a renewed commitment? To demonstrate strength, encouragement, encourage and courage in defending your faith? Let us pray for you about that. And so indicate that on your next step card as well. A good place to start is memorizing and meditating. On Joshua 1.9, let's pray.